This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your first stop for the best in Western style. And by the way, you don't have to be into the Western look to grab a good looking pair of boots. I recently got a pair of ostrich skin round tip boots, and I'm warm with my suit. These boots are so versatile that I can throw them on with a full head to toe suit. And Anthony Smith came right up to me and he's asking me where I got them. Well, I told him the only place to get them, Tacovas. And they have a seasonal limited edition offering. It's right now, this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, accessory, and more. My wife just surprised me with the ostrich wallet and a belt for my birthday, in case you've seen me. I feel like I look pretty sharp in it. I truly do, and Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style, plus their direct-to-consumer pricing keeps value on your feet and money in your pocket. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, and shop for new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it into the store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-B-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your favorite pair of boots today. What's happening, guys? Happy Friday, and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. Guys, we got a lot to get to. As usual, the MMA world has been on fire, and coming up on today's show, I'm going to cover all of it. We're going to get into some of the fights on UFC 300, plus Daniel Cormier and John Jones have reignited their beef, and John Anik has hinted at retirement. Lots to get to, everybody. Let's begin here. UFC 300, Here we're in the same place. We are in the same place we were a week ago, at least with me, which is wondering, guessing, speculating, exchanging rumors, trying to do our best detective work with the smallest information that we have. And every time Dana makes a move, I think, okay, that's it. That's the main event. We're all set. Card's done. So... Because of that, I must admit, I think we all must admit, it's a damn good card. But there hasn't been an announcement yet that quite fits the suggested criteria by Dana, which is you're all going to love it and you're all going to be amazed. Just by example, Holly Holm versus Kayla Harrison, that was definitely a wow moment. Now. I will define wow moment as I did not see that coming. Nothing more than that. Nothing more than that has to be involved to be a wow moment. I think Kayla and Holly is an undercard fight. I think. But Garbrandt and Figueredo, two world champions. I mean, that, that, that's as close to a super fight as you get. I think it's the second or third fight of the night, at least the way the card's laid out right now. So there would be no insult to being on the undercard. 
but it still makes you wonder what is the main event going to be? I mean, I really thought I had this thing figured out to a degree, which was the return of Adesanya. Adesanya Duplessis, which if that were to be announced to you guys right now, you'll like it and you'll understand it and it wouldn't shock you and you would look forward to it. That, but, it but it ends right there, right? There's bigger things. There's other adjectives that I could use to describe something that is going to build anticipation. It, it wouldn't fit that, but it would still be great, right? I could understand the UFC doing that, banking on the fact that as soon as we get them together and as soon as we start the press and the media and once we get the press conference, once we bring these guys face-to-face, that thing will be red hot just like it was the last time we brought them face-to-face. And therefore, boom, off you go. There's your main event. Now, the announcement might not deliver quite the way we want it to, but by the time the fight rolled around, everything would make perfect sense. Everything that I'm saying right now would make perfect sense. But that's not it. That's not it. Dana is working on something else, and he's not flinching. He is not wilting, and he is not backing off the concept that you, this is him talking, so the, the, the you is me as well, you all the us don't know it, we haven't guessed it yet, and we're going to love it. What could that be? Let's say you took the biggest star, Conor McGregor. I mean, let's just say. Who would you put him against? Who would you put Connor against? And of course you've got Nate Diaz. Go ahead. Of course you've got George Mosvall. Something is going on with Connor McGregor. I apologize with Nate Diaz and George Mosvall. Something is going on with them. We heard these uh, boxing reports, and they were going to come out, and they were going to box. It was going to be in March, and it was going to be in Vegas. I mean, the, the, it was it, it was ridiculous. I was begging them, don't do it. Like whatever promoter came in and promised you, said, do not do it, guys. It looks like they're not doing it. But we're getting reports out of Coconut Creek, American Top Team, saying that George Mosvall is in the room, and that he is only working on boxing. So there's just something going on. Does it have anything to do with the UFC? I would not think so. Bringing Conor over to the UFC, just for example, but not making him a title fight, right? If you bring Conor over, you put him in a main event, but if it's not a title fight, you now have a non-title fight on top of the bill in what is supposed to be the biggest card that you've ever promoted. I just, it's tough. I don't, I don't buy it. But it didn't have to be that either. Right? It just, it doesn't have to be. These aren't Chael's rules where Chael says you have to have a title fight. Dana didn't say we'd have a title fight. He just said we were going to have a wow moment. I mean, I heard a rumor last week it was going to be Fedor versus Tom Aspinall. And before you guys just completely dismiss that, that's the type of thing that I feel directionally we're going in. I mean, in, in terms of bringing somebody in that just isn't in our conscious at all, for it to be a wow moment, if you were to take any champion versus any contender, and the contenders traditionally have been top five opponents, anybody in the top five is eligible to go right in against the champion. And if you were to look at any division, look at the champion, look at the top five, fine. But that would feel like a normal night of business. That would just feel what we've been doing. It would not be a wow moment. It would be a normal, we like the sport and we like that and we get it and we'll be their moment. Not a wow moment. So it just feels like it has to be somebody or some kind of pairing. Two different weight classes. For example, 
But that's also a tough spot. If you start doing interesting pairings or you bring a guy in on a one-off or you're juxtaposing weight classes, if you're doing anything that doesn't constitute a title match at the top of the bill, it's just not a prediction that I would make. Something is going on at 170 pounds. We know that. Does that tie into 300? If it does, no matter who that opponent was, if it was Khabib, if it was St. Pierre himself, then you would still have Leon Edwards at the top of the bill of the biggest card in the company's history. I think that's a tough sell. And I don't think I can convince you guys that, hey, guys, look, I don't know who the opponent is, but it's going to be Leon. If So Leon would walk last? The last person to walk through the curtain in the biggest show in the industry's history is Leon Edwards. I just don't think that you're going to put your money on that bet. I did not mean, I know I just insulted Leon, but I'll tell you what, I didn't mean to. I, I'm trying to guess, right? Like it's a, it's a two-man and there, there's opponents and there's, there's just a real relevance there. And there is no denying who the champions are. We know they have belts. There's also no denying who the biggest star is. It's Conor McGregor. Now, what do you, what do, what do you guys think here? I mean, this is getting pretty wild, right? And the Kayla, the Kayla introduction, by the way, I thought that was at 145 pounds. I just assumed that, and I also had remembered seeing a tweet by Cyborg, and Cyborg saying maybe I should return to the UFC, and she was saying that in response to Amanda hinting that she might be returning to the UFC. So either way, I have this in my mind. I think, okay, we've got this three-way dance going on. Perhaps it's going to resurrect an entire division, which has quietly been erased. And then I find out it's at 135 pounds. And Kayla Harrison at 135 pounds, we have no idea what to expect. We have no footage. We have no frame of reference. And you go all the way back to her days in judo. You have no frame of reference from a competitive standpoint. She was in junior high when she was competing at 135 and or under. And there's no footage of that out there. We have no idea what that's going to be like. But she's going to get drawn into, without question... One of the most fearsome women to have ever done it in Holly Holm. It's very interesting. And that's an undercard. Which just adds that more, that much more curiosity, at least for me, as to what is the main event. Max Holloway, Justin Gaethje. Guys, let's start with this. Who do you got? I mean, start with that. I was told about this fight by Ian Parker in a text message. He said, hey, did you, did you see this? This is going on. And, and Ian had that scoop before it was announced. Now, I did too. I brought that to you guys. I said, hey, this is being worked on. I can't guarantee it's happening. But I can tell you that Max and Gage have been offered this fight and that it will be for the BMF title. Okay. Ian's job is to tell you who's going to win, period. Ian is the gambling guy. He tells you where to put your money. And Ian took Max right away without even thinking about it. So I share from that perspective because I was on the other side of it. I just said, hey, Gage is just too much for him. Max didn't love 155. Max went up to 155. He took on Poirier. And Max got beat at his own game, which was the boxing. Those guys stood. 
And Max proved he's tougher than hell and he could go, but he never found his rhythm. Dustin threw him off all night, right? If fighting is a dance, and we often make that comparison where only one person can lead, Dustin led. And Max followed the entire night. And Max went back to 145 pounds. That was my frame of reference. But as soon as I saw this fight announced, I thought, well, Gaethje is just too much, too big, too strong, too used to the weight class, too gritty for Max. But Ian saw it differently. He thought the matchup was great for Max. So now it's got me thinking, right? And Gaethje is a very different stand-up fighter than Poirier. Like doing that MMA math, it's different. Poirier's hands in his boxing, I mean, they're, they're so underrated. They're largely even misunderstood. And if you go back, go, go back if you want to just do something to round two of McGregor Poirier part two. And that will show you how damn good at boxing Dustin Poirier is. And it's very different. Whereas Justin Gaethje is gritty and he's mean. And he's durable and he's tough and he's in your face and he's workmanlike. But that's very different, right? Like Max is used to dealing with guys like that. I don't know. I'm just sharing with you. Like, that's a really interesting fight. And I'd like to start with who do you think is going to win that? Because I believe whoever wins that takes everything. In combat, the history of combat is whatever you've got is on the line. They don't do that in other sports. If you win the Super Bowl, by example, your next game, the, the title's not on the line. You're the world champion that day. It's not on the line. If you win the Olympic Games, your next competition, that medal is not on the line. The NCAA. If you win that, whatever sport, your next game or the one after that, it's not on the line. In combat, it is every time. Every single time. So, with that in mind and us understanding those rules, of course the BMF title has to be up. Of course it does. It was wrong when George Masvidal fought Kamar Usman, and it wasn't for the BMF title. It was wrong when George Masvidal fought Colby Covington, and it was not for the BMF title. That was wrong. This is right. But Justin Gaethje is not just the BMF champion. He is also the number one contender. And I think that's very relevant. And it's being talked about that the winner of Charles Oliveira and Aram will be the one that fights Islam. And I push back on that. I, I resist that. I, I resist it very much. In that I believe Gaethje is the number one contender and he's going to go have business with Max. And if Max beats him, Max takes both. He takes the belt and he takes the contendership. Now, Max came out. And the genesis of, uh, of this entire conversation I'm having with you guys is Max. Because Max came out and said, no, he's going to return to 145. That's the belt that he wants. Whoever is the champion. And Max believes that Tapori has a, a very good chance with Volkanovski, which is relevant. He, he liked to keep his eye, keep his option open, return to 45, which is his weight class as he sees it. I do understand that. Where a guy will feel something is my that's my that's the one that I want. And they're not all created the same. 55 is not created the same as 45. 45 is mine. I do understand that. But I also understand, and I've seen more often, when a guy doesn't burn his ships, 
when a guy has something great to return to, even in defeat, when a guy doesn't have to win, I've seen that before. And you guys are familiar with this expression, right? There was a conqueror, and I believe it, it was of Spain, but he pulls in with his boats and all of his men and they get off and there's not very many of them. And they got to go take over an entire country. And the very first thing that the, the leader said when they pulled those boats off is he told them, burn them. And his men said, well, if we burn them, we can't get back home. And the leader said, exactly. We have no choice but to win. That's a true story and it's relevant and it's a mindset. So when I hear Max talking about wanting to return to 145, I mean, I respect that. Max Holloway as a fighter, as a competitor, as a mentally tough human being, I respect everything about it. But every now and then we do something subconsciously. We don't mean to do it. And I don't know that Max fully understands the opportunity that he has. There has been a lot of 145-pound champions. There's going to be a lot more 145-pound champions. It's special, for sure. There have not been a lot of BMF champions. There have been two, as a matter of fact. And there are not going to be a lot of BMF champions. It's a very interesting thing that I'm saying to you right now. Olympic gold medals did not used to mean much. They didn't. It wasn't looked at the way that it is now. But boy, the history books, if you can have one of those medals and tell somebody the way that that event is viewed now... And I'm sharing for you that Max's opportunity isn't down the road. His fight is now. His championship opportunity isn't potentially in the future with potentially Ilya Teporia. His championship opportunity is right now for the BMF against Justin Gaethje. But it's going to be a close fight. And it's going to be a hard fight. And it's going to be a long fight. And a massive part of that kind of a match, of a 25-minute drawn-out match, a massive part of that, Right, all sorts of things that go into it, right? You got, you, you got this pie chart, but a biggest piece is going to be who wants it more. And the guy that wants it more is the guy that needs it more. And I do get a little bit of concern when I hear Max talk about great opportunities and great shots down the road. His opportunity is now. The title is right now. BMF, it's where he belongs. 155 pounds, it's where he belongs. Biggest card of all time, it's where he belongs. It's why he was put here. Because the decision makers that can stand back and look at everything realizes that's where he belongs. But it appears that maybe Max doesn't know, and a lot of athletes suffer from this. It appears that Max possibly does not know just how good he is. Jemayev has called BS. And you know what? I'm really glad he did. I've been, I've been wondering what is going on with Chemayev. Like, the story that we get told versus what ends up happening are so drastically different. And nobody ever complains. that, that I've always felt like, oh, they're all in on it together. Like, whatever it is, but they're all in on it, right? They're telling the story and kind of working together. You, know, you get the author and you get the editor and you get the publisher like any book ever made and here you go. And then we all swear to it afterwards with our hand on a stack of Bibles that this is authentic. It's just the way it goes, but it started to feel that way. And all of a sudden, Jemaya called it out. I was just really glad he did. Just from a refreshing standpoint, right? If we're, if we're operating under the theme of whoever is doing the speaking, 
gets to say whatever it is they want to say and tell whatever truth they want to tell. I'm glad that Shemayev told his truth because I've been wondering it as well. What I'm speaking about, in case I've lost you, go back to October 22nd on Fight Island, co-main event, top-ranked, undefeated, young man named Kazmat Shemayev takes on former world champion Kamar Usman. Kamar Usman was an extremely interesting opponent because Kamar was the champion at 170 when Shemayev was getting his comeuppance and everybody wanted to see that match right then. But it was decided that Shemayev did not yet have the experience to be in a world title fight. So the fact that we got to see that same pairing was relevant, not to mention Usman had a victory over the reigning champion of that weight class in Sean Strickland. So it's just a very appropriate match, which then got classified as a number one contenders match. When Shemayev came out on top, Shemayev remains undefeated, and now has a victory over a guy who has a victory over the champion. Great. Match is done. Match is done. Not to mention there's a backstory. These guys were training partners. A lot of people who you know and trust watch those two train at one of the most significant gyms in our sport, Extreme Couture, under the watchful eye of one of the sport's most respected coaches, Eric Nissick. So all these pieces are in place. Promotion begins. Chemayev, through the media, talking about those workouts, talking about what he's going to do to Strickland. Strickland saying not so fast, and Strickland didn't flinch one bit. He did not try to get out of that fight or say he wasn't ready or didn't deserve it. So where do I sign? Everything is going along as it should. And it's going along at the same time as narratives that were nothing more than rumor in terms of we were never able to confirm them. Of everything from Chemayev was hurt to Chemayev for visa issues cannot leave the country has to do all of his fights, at least for now, in the part of the world where Fight Island is. So, without any kind of confirmation, and as we're all moving along in that direction, we get an announcement that Drinkus Duplessis will be fighting Sean Strickland. Everybody's just scratching their head going, what? Okay. So, Jemaya finally spoke up about it, and he said, man, this isn't right. I was told I was in a number one contenders match, so I went and did the match. I had an extra motivation. I didn't ask you for money. I didn't ask you for card placement. I need incentivized like anybody, but I was. I was incentivized by the fact that a victory, if I dig deep enough, if I train right, if I show up, if I do everything right, and I can beat Kamara Usman, I will then get an opportunity to fight for the belt. I did all of those things. Where's my opportunity to fight for the belt? I just appreciate that Chemayev said that. And I can't I can't fully take Chemayev's side, by the way. I mean, I must tell you that, like, there isn't lies within this industry. And I, and I know some, you hear that a lot, and it could even appear that way. But the information that you're being given is accurate in that moment. One thing that you've got to understand about this industry, and it creates a lot of opportunity, right? What goes around comes around. It's important that you understand from that perspective, too. If you think you got slighted down the line, 
there is an opportunity, a door that could open for you in that exact same position. What I'm talking about is nobody would have considered that Adesanya would need a number one contendership because nobody considered that Adesanya was going to lose. So the moment he loses, he automatically falls from champion to number one, which bumps whoever was the number. I mean, do you guys understand? And then the same thing goes with Jemayev. It's like, hey, look, when we tell you you're going to get a title fight, that just means you're going to be offered the title fight. If you call back and say, I can't do it, for instance, your hand is broken, you're going under surgery, I've still fulfilled my end of it. Now, that's very debatable whether you want to accept what I just said or not. That's very debatable. If you're going to say, hey, wait a minute, you're not going to hold me back for an injury. You can't tell me that an injury hurts anything or slows anything down. Look at John Jones right now. All of a sudden, you don't have to accept what I'm saying is true. I'm just sharing for you. There's a debate. There becomes a discussion unless you don't bring it up. And so I appreciated that Chemayev did bring it up. I've never seen anything bother Chemayev. Whether it's authentic or it's part of the brand. The idea of anyone, anywhere, anytime. Any weight class, any way that you want to do it. That attitude is something that I have bought into. It's something that draws me to Chemayev, makes me appreciate him. But but finally seeing that something got under his collar and that he's pissed off and that he feels that he should be given a title shot, that he earned, I appreciate that. I like that. I like a real competitor. And I have wondered how to, how does that work? You know, what 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 is that like when you're told you've got a number one contendership and then you read in the media... It's going to somebody else. Excuse me, guys. I got an eyelash here. I was put in an interesting spot where I was the number one contender. And the opportunity was going to go to Vitor Belfort. I had won the match. The prior to the match was said to be number one contender's match. But I didn't have to read about it. I got a phone call. Hey, look. Some things have changed, and here's what happened. And this is the direction we're going to go. And again, I accepted that, and I was fine with it. But I wouldn't say that you have to. I won't tell you that you have to. There's ways you can push back. But from a PR and handling it, the relationship was fine. I was called. I was told. It was straight and direct. Was Jemayev. Did he have to read about it? I mean, Duplisi out of Strickland came out of nowhere. And those guys did such a good job of building that fight. And those guys are doing such a good job of building a rematch. Or at least Sean is. I don't blame Drikas for wanting to move on. I don't I don't blame that. But Drikas is not going to be able to move on. All of the headlines at 185 are stop the Izzy presses. Stop every this is the match we want to see. My community page over at YouTube. Guys, 113,000 of you, the actual base, not random people, 113,000 MMA fans weighed in. I realize that's just one poll, but uh, I'm speaking of that poll. It was overwhelming. They wanted to see a rematch with Strickland and Duplessis. Now, Strickland is doing a great job. You guys are helping. You guys are saying, hey, wait a minute. Strickland won that fight three rounds to two. I saw something very different, but you guys are saying Strickland won that fight. And Duplessis is not going to be able to move on, even though he's not helping. Right? Like, helpful would be, hey, let's run it back. Let's do it again. Book a date. You say, I headbutt you, I enjoyed headbutting you. Let's do it again. That would be very helpful. He's doing nothing. I don't blame him for that. But that's going to keep it around. 
If Duplessis wanted it to end, all he has to do is speak up and go in a different direction. That's it. The moment Duplessis speaks up and says Chemayev's next, whether he is or not, if Duplessis says that, the talk of Strickland Duplessis comes to an end. And Duplessis may be doing that in the direction he could do it with Izzy. He could do it with a number of different competitors. He could step in, add a little something to the Robert Whitaker Paula Costa fight by saying, that's the one I'm looking at. That's the one I'm going to give it to, whether he does it or not. If he speaks up and goes in that direction, that will end the Strickland talk. And I'm just sharing for you, those guys have done such a great job of building that match. And those guys, with your help, are doing a great job, whether it happens and, and comes to fruition or not, but they're doing a great job of building the rematch. Summer is coming up, and that might mean that you're going to have a little more time on your hands. Why not use it to learn a new language? Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program that truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, is here to help you. Some of you may be traveling abroad this summer, and you might want to experience that country beyond just the touristy type spots. Your experience could be upgraded just by learning the native language. Now you can download the Rosetta Stone app to your phone or tablet and learn on the go while driving, riding on the subway, running on a treadmill, or even laying poolside with just a 10-minute lesson per day. Rosetta Stone's lessons are designed for long-term retention of language skills rather than short-term memorization. The focus of the program is preparing you for real, authentic conversations, not just knowing a couple of translations. It's like having your own personal trainer for language learning. Rosetta Stone has been used by millions of people for over three decades. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started for a limited time. My listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com backslash today. That's 50% off. Unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. That's a steal. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. Guys, I'm really into things that add more convenience to my life. It's even better when it also comes with safety in a high-quality package. I'm talking about my Eufy Video Lock. I'm still loving this thing. I love this thing so much that I'd like to invest in the company. I am so impressed with this product that I'm willing to back it. And if anyone out there knows how I can do it, please reach out. You got to check it out for yourself. I'll probably do a quick social post, but for now, just search UV Video Lock. Do it online. It's a three-in-one smart lock, 2K camera with an audio and doorbell. It's easy to install. It has fingerprint recognition, so I don't even have to remember a code. I can control it all in an app, which again, the convenience is such a big plus for me. We are always on the go, and being able to monitor our home on the road is such a nice option. Not only that, I don't have to rush to the door if the doorbell rings. I can either open the door or ignore whoever's at the door by vetting them through the app. There is no monthly fees for security video storage. The battery is rechargeable, and each charge lasts about four months. This Eufy Lock is fantastic, and I highly recommend it. Search Eufy Video Lock online. That's Eufy, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com backslash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your front door.
After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, guys, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly on to you. I haven't skipped a beat using Mint Mobile services. I have a great service even when I'm traveling for over less than 70% of what I was paying before. Listen to Uncle Chael and say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash chael. That's mintmobile.com slash chael. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash chael. $45 upfront payment required. That's equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. John Jones and Daniel Cormier, I am so glad that this feud is like reignited. I don't want them to make up. There's no reason for them to make up. It's not real and it's not sincere, right? There's no reason. So they're back at it. Daniel had called John Jones a bad employee. And what had happened is Dana White's text messages were seized through a court order. And within those text messages, he was discussing John Jones and referred to John as a scumbag, which in all fairness is not that bad of a word. Like, like John's not going to see that and be surprised. You know, that's actually pretty low-hanging fruit for the situation they were in when Dana used that word. And Daniel, while referencing that, said, man, he was being a bad employee. It was very light what Daniel said. It was very light what Dana said. But it bothered John to an extent that John came out and spoke about it. And John is basically of the stance, I fought you and I beat you twice and you're bitter. I tried to bury it, and I tried to move on. That's what the fight was, that's what the resolution was, and that's what me saying nice things about you were. But you're not accepting it because you're bitter. John could be right. Like, that that doesn't sound off. What Daniel said doesn't sound wrong, and what John said doesn't sound wrong. I'm just glad that we're back to this point. I mean, I must tell you. And what could be done with John Jones? For me, I would have just had so much fun. I would have just loved to have been in that spot. And the steroid angle with John is a very sore subject. And 
that that also stems from a different psychology. Like the steroid that John popped for, just to understand all this picogram, this it's, it's something called Tremblone. I am very confident in telling you guys that John did not knowingly and or willfully take Tremblone. That he did not seek out Tremblone. That he was not told by his advisors to get or use Tremblone. I'm as confident that John, and with all the connections that he would have to the world and underworld of steroid use, could not even find Trembolone. I mean, you would have to go to a museum to get this stuff. Not to mention, it is not one of the great ones. It was at a time until about 1983. So the, the reason I say that is when John starts looking around going, hey, I never took that. I never meant to take that. I don't know where this came from. I believe he's telling the truth. The part that he's leaving out is he meant to take a banned substance, just not that one. He took a banned substance that was tainted with this banned substance. So, and I tell you that just from, from being in that world and listening and watching the body language, that's my determination. I don't have the ability to prove it, but John has let all of that go, and he's only clung to the thing that he's been accused of, which is taking Tremblone, and he's uh, coming out and openly telling you, I never did that. I got a picogram of this stuff, and I never even uh, meant to take it in the first place. Mm, I think he's telling the truth on that part. If you're willing to ignore how we got the Tremblone in the system and just look at it for those specific words, I think he's accurate. Like, I would believe that he could pass a lie detector's test with that statement. Okay, so... It's a sore subject, right? It's a really hard and sore subject. So when Daniel brings up, you think that we've buried the hatchet because we fought, but you fought dirty and cheated. Us doing the fight, reaching resolution, the belt going with you, the victory going with you, all the memories, all the record books, everything going with you, doesn't end things the way that it should. It starts the problem because you stole it from me, you cheated. And it's one of these things, it's just hard for them to get around. And I appreciate when they don't pretend that they have got around it. So, I would love for John. I just think there's such an opportunity. There's a new testing agency. USADA's gone. What's I don't know what the new testing agency's called. But this new agency, and I think it's one. I thought it was one something. I'm going to call it one just for now. We got to call it, so I'm going to call it one. There is such an opportunity for John to ask questions on social media about one. Hey, does one also test 24 seven question mark? Hey, do they, do they come on weekends? Question mark. Hey, what about holidays? Do they come on holidays or do they, do they are holidays like, and then not finish the thought, not tell anybody why he's asking, just like ask the question. Like there's just such an opportunity to dangle that and to play with that. He's got a pectoral issue that's supposed to take eight to 10 months to heal. And he could be putting out stuff like, man, this thing's healing in record time. Yeah, you know, I, I accomplished more in the healing process in two weeks than the doctors predicted I'd have in four months, right? Which would, again, be an innuendo that he's taken a banned substance that would heal that, a growth hormone, a testosterone booster, things like that would heal. It would just be very interesting. I just think it would be fun. And every time I have seen John steer into anything like that, it has worked tremendously. Daniel called John out for cocaine. And this shamed John. Oh, he was so embarrassed. He was so embarrassed when they did it. Daniel called him out. And John responded and said, yes, I was coked up and I still beat your ass. And it was great. You should have heard this crowd. They went crazy. 
Daniel came out again, same press conference, and he says to the audience, you're all cheering him. He told you he hasn't taken cocaine in 11 months. You were cheering him. I haven't taken cocaine in the 40 years I've been alive. Where's my applause? They booed Daniel. They booed Daniel and they cheered John. And nobody was more surprised than Daniel and John. Daniel said it thinking he was going to win the crowd over. He was stunned when they booed him. John thought, oh, I just lost the audience. I'm the dirtbag junkie sitting up here. Now the crowd loved him. They loved him for it. And it was a very interesting thing. And I just suggest for you that John could be having so much fun right now. I'm not convinced that John owes anybody an apology. I am convinced he took banned substances. I am convinced that he had trembled on accident. I am convinced that he took the big three, testosterone, growth hormone, and EPO. I am fully convinced of it. I'm not convinced he needs to say sorry. I don't know if John's entire record, or I apologize, yeah, of John, of John Jones' entire record, I'm not sure he's fought more than three guys that weren't on that same diet. I mean, I mean that's the other piece of the story, and John never brings that up, right? We, we never do that. We, we, we all have a code amongst ourselves. One thing is we all know fellow users. Every user knows the other users. We all know our own. But we won't out somebody ever until he fails the test. I don't know why, by the way. I don't know why it is. But that's one thing that John has never mentioned. John was on the diet. That's true. But if you go through John's entire record, he only faced three guys that were on that exact same diet. Now, you might see some character flaws within the stance that I just took. That would be fair by you. But I am sharing as one that knows one, I'm not sure that John needs to say sorry. And John and Daniel, damn sure, for my liking, they damn sure don't need to make up. John Anik was on the Anik and Florian podcast. And he made a comment along the lines, this isn't a quote, but I'll get you damn close, that he doesn't know how much longer he's going to stay in MMA. And he talked about the toxicity, if I'm saying that word right, of the fans. So when John said that, he was having a conversation with his buddy, Kenny. He was making content. He was going back and forth. He was sharing something that he felt. But it ends there. This was made into, I mean, I think this became a lot bigger than John thought it was going to become. This, this got to me 10 different ways. I got tweeted this. I got Instagram this. I got texts. I got phone calls about this. I don't think that John thought he was saying anything that was going to catch on. And by the way, I hope now that he sees how big that got, I hope that John knows that's a compliment. No matter of how it got twisted and presented to him after he said it, I hope he knows the fact that people are talking about it and heard it and care one way or the other. I hope he sees that as a compliment. That is the consummate professional, John Anik. And there are a lot of people in this space that become cynical. And many of them have to, just to get by. Because there is something about them being on TV where they are on a different side as the fans. And they're on the better side. And they are in the hierarchy. And therefore, whatever you say to them or about them doesn't affect them. They're immune to it. There's, there's a belief. And I just know that because I was a negative fan. 
right? When you're a fan, you buy a ticket, you could cheer or you can boo, but I would, I would, I would boo. That's where I had my fun. I wasn't actually putting the guy down. I was having fun. I was having energy. And I just share for you that I always thought, well, it could never hurt his feelings. Everything is going his way. Look at him. He's on that side of the apron where I wish I was. I'm booing him out of jealousy. He'll know this is out of jealousy. I just share for you. A lot of guys are forced to become calloused. And then you have guys who are great. John Anik is great. That voice and the professionalism that he brings, you will miss it when it's gone. And you will recognize it when he's not here. And I just share for you, one of the things that keeps him sharp is this. He's still one of you. He's still a fan. John Anik did a bet with somebody. I can't remember who it was. And I think it might have just been somebody off of Twitter. But it had to do with a Nate Diaz fight. Or at least a Diaz brother hit. It was a, a tattoo bet, though. He had to get 209. Whoever lost. Anik lost. He had to get 209. And people couldn't believe that he did it. And a lot of people missed why he took the bet in the first place. He's a fan. He is one of you. That's why he speaks so well to you. That's why he can relate to you. That's why when he made the statement that he doesn't know much how long he's going to be around, everybody was so surprised. Now, nobody's going to come out to that ultimatum and be like, oh, John, please stay. We're so sorry. No, because the people that feel that way, that's not the people that go and speak up. That's just not what social media is. It's not a place of positivity. That's not what it is. And it can be really nice and positive people, but they, they will go there and not use the positivity. So I'm just sharing with you, when John makes that statement, it affects him. It affects him when you tell him that you didn't like the way that he called a fight. And this specifically had to do with Drikus and Strickland. And Anik was perfect in that. There was a comment made by Dominic Cruz that had to do with damage. And Dominic simply played devil's advocate. And it's very important that you have a devil's advocate. And let me tell you why. What I thought that I was seeing is Drikus Duplessis running away with a fight. But, but let's say that I believe I'm seeing that. Okay, then I, I'm done 15 minutes in. I only got to watch 70% of the fight. If I think Drake has won one, two, and three, I'm done. I can get up and leave. But how disappointing. How disappointed that I would miss out on 10 more great minutes. So Dominic comes in and just lets you know, hey, before you, before you think you got this thing scored at home, the first criteria is damage. And you could very easily argue the most damage is being done by Strickland. It was a great comment in hindsight by Dominic. And so many things that Dominic, Dominic, Dominic Cruz is the smartest guy in MMA in terms of understanding what he's looking at, in terms of a strategist. There is not a close number two. It is Dominic Cruz and then you have everybody else. But many times he will say something so sophisticated that it's too advanced that you don't understand it. I remember when Dominic made that comment, I thought, what is he, what, that's a stupid thing to say, Dom. I literally thought that that's a stupid thing to say. And Anik corrected it to let him know, hey, 10-9 must system, there's a way that these are scored. Much like I saw that Anik has had to correct people that say, if you are the champion and you're, the challenger to beat the champion has to really beat the champion, he's got to really go out there and beat him. That is not actually a criteria. 
And Anakis had to correct that. It's responsible, and it's his job as the lead announcer. So, in hindsight, what Dominic said was great. But right there in that moment, and I'm just sharing with you, these are from guys that care. And the reason that can affect them is because they're still one of you. And the reason Anik's the best, and the reason you don't want him to be, is because he speaks for you because he is one of you. And I don't want his words taken out of context. I want him to be credited for having that opinion. I don't want somebody to look at that and think he's creating drama. He wasn't at all. He was not at all. He's a guy that goes to his social media to see what you think and what you feel so that he can keep his thumb on the pulse. That's what a professional does. All right, guys, that is it for today's episode. You know, I asked you guys on Spotify to give me your prediction of how the UFC middleweight division is going to play out this year. I especially like this answer. And this came from Smeds, who says Chael whoops DDP and Piera to become double champ in one night. You know what, Smeds? That is the most logical sentence that I have heard all week. I'm going to be back with more next week, everybody. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen. And you are welcome.